Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Hunters Hunted 2 Corruption. Join us as we tell the tale of four men bonded by their fear and hatred of the hidden monsters that reside in Washington, D.C. in September of 2009. Only time will tell of Jebediah, played by Adam B., Robert, played by Adam C., Walter, played by Chris, and Dr. Turner, played by Tillman, will survive together in this story ran by Andrew. Hunters Hunted 2 is a Vampire the Masquerade 20th Anniversary Edition expansion set in the world of darkness. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or find us on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to session one of Hunters Hunted 2 Corruption. This will be the very first official game session. Uh, you may have seen our character creation session that we all did together. We're going to be jumping right into things here. We are starting on September 11th of 2009 in Washington, D.C. Now, this day is important to a lot of people, a lot of Americans. I don't know if uh, we have any international listeners that are unaware, but it's an anniversary of a very important event in American history, and it's going to be playing a role in people's lives. So what I kind of want to do is give each of you an opportunity to kind of describe how your character will be spending the day and just kind of like if you if you if you're working if you have like maybe you're going to a memorial service of some kind whatever and i'm just going to give you all kind of a a brief chance to describe like what your day-to-day life might be like on this day in 2009 adam first if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about what uh, robert esposito's day as an fbi agent might be like on september 11th Sure. Okay. So um, Robert probably starts his day as he usually would. He gets up, gets ready. Um, he kisses his wife goodbye. His son is probably, you know, um, still asleep. He he gets up a little bit early than everybody else just to just to start his day. Um, he would have he would have uh, probably been up by like I want to say like four thirty five. You know, gave his wife a kiss while she was still still sleeping and he gets himself ready just totally groggy he'll find his way to like a 711 or some kind of convenience store where you can get you know a iced coffee or a coffee of any size for like a dollar and he'll just get this this giant uh giant um like extra large mug of coffee and you know go back to his car and probably open the glove box and put a couple nips of vodka in there and it's 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 you know he's he tries to just carry on his day as he usually would even though it's the anniversary of a of like a major tragedy in America and you know he's a he's a government agent so he he feel this this hits him pretty hard thinking about um you know what it was like so many years ago just hearing all this stuff going on um but other than that he would just kind of be trying to just carry on with his day as he usually would so Robert's probably uh, still having to go into the office. Yes, um, of course. It's it's a day where federal agents are they are not given a break, not on this day. It's uh, important, and you're probably going to be there, maybe even doing overtime. It's a Friday. 
and it's a really nice day outside that you are not getting to enjoy at all. Right, right. I mean, Robert being kind of a grumpy, out of shape man himself probably uh, would kind of be happy that he doesn't have to be out there in the um, the heat of this of the summer. Um, but yeah, it's still still a very stressful day for him. Just you know, part of him worries about the significance of the day, you know, what if somebody would, tr- you know, would try to do something again? What if this day is going to turn to shit because of just another emergency like it did so many years ago? Um, even being far away from from the tragedy was just still like a like a rough time for everybody, you know? Well, I mean, it did directly affect the area as well. The Pentagon was attacked. Oh, right, right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So it's it's like a this is a day where like everyone on the federal level is on high alert. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. How about we have Mitch go next with Jebediah and what his day-to-day activities on this Friday will be like. Jebediah is going to get up probably about 5, 5.30 in the morning, get himself ready for the day, toss a few beers into his uh, cooler, go out to whatever work site he's working on. Um, on the actual time that the planes crashed, he'll have a moment of silence. Uh, he'll finish out his work day, you know, chug the beers during lunch, maybe get a little less than effective in the afternoon as a result. And then he'll, uh, in the evening, he'll go to probably his favorite local bar and have a little September 11th, you know, casual, not necessarily organized remembrance or memorial, you know, talking to people at the bar about it. Talking about them good old boys, what lost their lives, and firefighters, and then police officers. Okay. Somewhere in the middle of that, I'm, I imagine you might get, uh, well, no, you do get a invitation from uh, someone who you wouldn't describe as a friend so much as like just somebody, uh, a contact that you know, uh, Nathan Johnson, to come to the uh, Bowling Air Force Base for a memorial service. All right. He'll definitely go to that then. Yeah. Okay. And he'll... Uh, He'll leave his guns behind when he goes. <laughs> okay. Imagine you're going to be specifying that a lot, huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> he has okay. so many guns. Yeah. Well, and you're going to an Air Force base. You know, you should be should be okay, right? Yeah. 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 So you you'd get a invitation from Nathan. He's um he's someone that uh, again, like I said, you're not like super close to but he's somebody that has uh, you know helped you out here and there okay excellent all right tillman why don't you tell us what dr turner would be doing for this uh this day so in the past few weeks and many maybe months he's been studying on and off for the arcanum but i think on uh, this day he probably um well, it takes it off. And right in the morning, it hits him pretty hard uh, that the meaning of this data has changed a bit. Like um, when the uh, 9 11 attacks happened, he was at work and was instantly um, very afraid for his, for his wife and his very young daughter at the time. And well, in the evening of that day, he felt very relieved to see them both healthy and be reunited in his uh, home like so many others weren't. Um, 
but now things have changed for the first time and he's well he's lost his daughter and things aren't very easy with his wife right now he's not uh he hasn't been seeing her so i think he will take a walk to um his daughter's grave and just contemplate how things have changed okay so he'll be spending a lot of time there today maybe not just there but well walking around okay a very solemn day for dr turner yeah all right and chris if you could tell us a little bit about walter and how he uh he's going to be spending his time today so 9-11 for walter Bodie reminds him of when he was still taken seriously as a newscaster you know walter wasn't on a cable news station he was on like one of the four you know nbc cbs abc and he was every evening you know since the late 70s on was in people's living rooms giving him news and giving him information and you know before 9-11 he felt he helped inform and calm american families the most during the cold war during like the 80s because everyone at the time was real afraid of like duck and cover and nuclear war and the ussr and all that stuff but after the fall of the ussr and the soviet union he felt when he would give information such as like genocide uh, uh that was occurring in africa or like you know uh, Yugoslavian wars like Bosnia and Kosovo that it really didn't affect Americans as much at that time. But when 9-11 happened, of course he, it was a tragedy for him, but he felt like in his in his element again where he was reaching through the airwaves and was informing Americans and trying to put them at ease with information that was coming through about who was responsible and the steps that the government was taking to prevent that. So now, you know, in 2009, 9-11 really like really pulls that that drive of his to want to 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 inform and to comfort people and so what he does is he has like a 9-11 special on his youtube channel discover truth where he is going to be not only talking about 9-11 but taught a use it as like a lead into how there are other things that are there are these creatures and there are these other elements you know that are going on in our society today that are causing you know disruption and, and mistrust in the government you know especially when 2009 and everything that seems to be going on you know with with like all this animosity between political parties and this just you know this this distrust in the government and you know, it is most likely the responsible the responsibility of these dark beings are trying to you know plant these seeds of distrust amongst us and while we fight amongst each other they pick through us and, you know and just kind of like tries to constantly maybe spend like hours just constantly talking and fueling himself with coffee and maybe a little cocaine or some kind of like amphetamine to get him going even more to where he can continue to like share this information and hope that someone just desperately finds his channel and watches and he uses his tragedy to like share the truth out there okay so i'm gonna say that at at a point maybe right after his show you know after he's done done all of that and he's uh kind of winding down off of that like you know kind of feeling you get right after you know doing yeah movie record you know you know that kind of that feeling you have of like oh man i accomplished something he he gets like a, a ding a notification on his phone and he'll look at it and you'll see that it's a uh, message a text message uh, but it's from a blocked number and it'll be this is maybe later in the afternoon and it'll be this message that says to you i heard 
you're looking for Iris. And if you want to know more, meet me outside the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, 9.30, today, tomorrow, or the next. And Iris is the woman that you had been involved with recently and just kind of disappeared on you. And you had all these questions. So when he sees that, like he stands up like like he's been electrocuted, you know, shocked by electricity. Like he like throws the phone down on his on the desk where his like, you know, because I take it his office where he streams that we mentioned the character creation session is in our like headquarters of <laughs> sorts. And so like Yeah, yeah, throws, your base. Yeah, our base. So he like throws the phone on the table, he just like pushes back in his chin, he stands up and like I would almost say like he's madly like staring at it like in like in a panic because not only you know, it's almost like a, it's almost like a feeling like you know that in the back of his mind, like this could be a trap, this could be a trap. But then, like the name, and it just brings out these well of emotions to where even like maybe it will like scream at the phone for like thirty seconds or a minute, just like screams ah! at, like primal, like no, and like just like yelling at it, just out of frustration because he knows that like right now his urge is to, he's gonna go there and he's gonna go there tonight and see her, but he knows that like in his head every alarm everything that's like warned him of anything is like going off madly right now super paranoid and just like uh like he's just like i he knows he shouldn't be doing this like it might be like some kind of trap or something but he's definitely going yeah yeah he's going and and he's gonna probably um and maybe we'll cover this later but he's definitely gonna like you know be careful when he goes out there you know wear like a baseball cap but we'll talk about that when that time gets there yeah yeah. So let's take a step back to Special Agent Robert Esposito. Robert, you're in the office. You're, again, like on desk duty. You haven't had a lot of time as like someone out in the field. You just kind of, uh, you know, you haven't you haven't had the desire to do that type of work, nor have you been given that uh, sort of pressure put on you. And you're you're at your desk and you're approached by someone coming up behind you and you can like smell them before they come up because it's that strong smell of like cigarettes and like coffee you know you know that smell that like it's like this person like is just like they're always smoking and they're always like they they they're always like, got a cup of coffee or something just somebody's like caffeine and nicotine just super addictive substances and you know this like before you even turn around you know who it is just by this it's special agent maureen darcy She's uh, not someone you talk to too often. Black woman, long hair, middle-aged, maybe mid-40s. She's uh, athletic, does a lot of, a lot of outside work. And she comes up to you and kind of clears her throat to get your attention as you're working at your desk. I'll uh, turn back and look at her, and I just say, Darcy? Just like an acknowledgement? She'll nod and uh, gives you this uh, up-and-down kind of look like an expression on her face that uh, if you want, you can try and read her expression. Yeah, I'd like to give that a shot if I can. Yeah. Um, we'll do the, the first roll of the session. Ooh, Maybe like uh, a wits and empathy. Wits and empathy, sure. Difficulty six. That is a botch. <laughs> it's, um, she's giving you this appraising look oh. of like approval. Definitely approval. <laughs> that is what you're getting from this. And so she says... Uh, she says to you, uh, Carter told me he wants to talk to you. Yeah, now, what about? He's, he's got something for you. 
Let me get you out of this place. Carter is the uh, special agent special agent in charge. Uh, he's your direct supervisor, William Carter. He's um, supervisory special agent. So he's he's my boss, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm quiet for a second, and then I kind of just uh, I just sit up and just kind of like push my chair back and and start walking to his office, and I I don't say anything else to uh, Maureen. How's Robert feeling about this? Uh, kind of on edge. He's um he he stresses having to talk to Carter even even if it's not over something bad. He just yeah. he just prefers not to have any trouble at work. He just wants to get through his day like he usually does. Um, which is kind of weird that he would would put himself in this profession. But yeah, he he just wants to kind of go through the day without making any kind of waves or anything like that. So he's just going to get up and just reluctantly just walk to the office. So you make your way over there, passing uh, amongst the other other agents going about their business. There's some cubicles, some offices, and uh, he has like a uh, he's got he's got a full office of his own. He's you know not top dog or anything but he's he's your supervisor he has his own office and uh you find his desk is it's always like kind of cluttered his uh his office has got just just you know paperwork everywhere there's various open cases and everything he is managing a lot of other special agents you know so he's he's always always got something like that he's doing you know he's always busy he's always active on some kind of project that he's having to work on organize or something like that so whenever you come in into his office he doesn't even look up at you he just says have a seat you know and he's a man who's about mid 50s graying hair not full-on gray yet it's like a kind of like that salt and pepper look clean shaven um there's some lines around his eyes he's um He's he's a white man with uh, brown eyes and just kind of well aged kind of look to him. You know, not not aged in the sense of you know he's really like you know you can tell the years of getting to him. Just he's he's got a stressful job, and and it has made some lines around his face, but at the same time he still has like this youthful look to him, despite it being in his fifties. So you come in and he's he, like I said, he just says, you sit down and he's like kind of going over something in a folder, uh, sets it to the side and just <sighs> sighs, looks up at you. I just uh, say like, sir, and I give a nod just to just to kind of like acknowledge him. Uh, close the door. I'll uh, I'll kind of just like reach behind me and, and push his office door shut. So real quick out of character we didn't really establish the name of your partner that died so i just i made one up perfect absolutely okay so he's kind of giving you this look just observing you for a moment and he says i know it's been tough for you since uh burgess passed but uh it's about time that uh you you spend some more time out in the field so I've got something for you that I want you to look into. And it's, uh, let's, let's be straight here. You've, you've had it rough, but uh, Walton was my friend as well. And it's time for you to move on and to pull your weight around here. Yes, sir. Well, there's, there's been some things happening locally here I want you to look into, okay? There's a... Uh, there's an open case on a murder police department's having some issues with. 
we think it may relate to another case. I want you to check into it. Relevant paperwork here. You'll find an email. You can look up everything in the database you need to know. If you have any questions, come to me, okay? Yes, sir. Um, really quick, out of character, can I um, can I just kind of try to read Carter and see if uh, if like he what am I trying to say? I want to <laughs> see if he really thinks I can like do this because I kind of am feeling this kind of reluctance in him giving me this assignment. Um, yeah. um, I think that would be the same kind of role, wits and, and All right. yeah, wits and empathy. So you do have two successes. Um, the expression on his face, the way his body language is, and the way he's talking to you, you're just kind of looking at him and reading that, like, he, he is uncertain about giving you a, any kind of responsibility right now. Like, he's right. not sure how you're going to handle it. Like, you get the, the distinct feeling from him that he's like, it's like I don't know how this is going to go, but I got to do something. Right. Okay. So, Robert, definitely, just just hearing, you know mention of his partner instantly gives him that lump in the back of his throat and just this this sorrow of something terrible that he chooses to never face you know he he kind of lives in in a somewhat sense of fear because of what happened to his partner but he doesn't think about his partner anymore he he does he tries he tries to forget that that person you know existed so when when Carter brings up brings up his partner, it kind of just instantly just hits him with this uh, like wave of sorrow, almost like he's been trying to repress it or something. And then he's also just getting, you know, like you said, this impression that Carter's not even really sure that this is something that Robert could handle. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's feeling a lot of just uh, anxiety about, about starting this and about, thinking about like um about this person that that he knew that was his colleague that was so dear to him yeah okay so we in that scene there with you leaving the office maybe kind of like mulling over the your thoughts again you have like this you know little file there's information you can like i said look up in the database you know it just kind of like everything you need to kind of prep you on what he's expecting of you and you're a special agent you're yeah you're expected to act mostly autonomously. Like, here's Absolutely. your thing. This is what you do, and then you go from there. So I just have the fo the file folder underneath my armpit, and I'm kind of just walking back out to the car as I kind of just, like, stare at my shoes, thinking, like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Dr. Turner, you said that you're kind of having a, like, reflective day? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Maybe later in the day I will watch uh, the YouTube show by Walter Bodie. I mean, you're aware of or it. Maybe, or maybe just do some reading uh, on 9-11, just on the off chance that there's some supernatural involvement. Okay. You're actually at the grave when your phone starts ringing. Okay. And you take it out and you look at it. And it's like this... Just like you have like this heart drop kind of moment, you know, where it's your wife calling you and you're standing in front of your daughter's grave. How do you, do you answer? Mm, yeah, <laughs> I think. I, I mean, answer. you don't have to, you don't have to. It's... No, so... no uh, I think I will answer the phone, but um, <clears throat> like he'll look around himself 
like other people around me mm -hmm. this could get a bit uh uncomfortable i mean no there's no one around you right now it's mostly okay. empty anyone who uh you're not at the arlington national cemetery that one is probably the one that has a lot of people at right now yeah so i pick up the phone okay and so your wife denise um who um uh, for our viewers it's a bit smaller woman uh not really tiny chestnut colored curly hair just kind of give you everyone a visual of how she appears you know she uh has a very soft voice when you answer the phone she says would, would she call you by your your name gregory or would she call you greg do you go by greg uh that depends on her mood probably <laughs> okay so she would say hi greg how are you hi denise this is like this um, awkward pause yeah exactly so i was calling i wanted to find out if you're doing anything today i'm standing at lucy's grave sorry it's okay i um i was thinking about visiting uh yeah yes yes do you want to get dinner yeah let's go out i i've been sitting at home too much uh I think that's a great idea. How about that uh, that barbecue place you like? Of course. What time is good for you? Um, any, really. Um, but yeah, let's make it dinner. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll see you then. Uh, tell Lucy I miss her. And without waiting for your reply, she hangs up. Um, he'll think to himself that this went better than expected, but definitely not great. <laughs> Yeah. And he's not sure what to expect. Okay. How is he feeling in this moment? Mm, he's relieved to hear from her. Like He's uh, definitely relieved that he doesn't have to well, follow her around to find out what she's doing. Um, like He wants to give her space, but at the same time, um, he doesn't because he feels like he's losing her. And, um, but also he's very anxious. Yeah about meeting her uh for the benefit of people listening or, view or watching they are separated i don't think that was uh covered in the yeah i think we forgot yeah. to mention that yeah they're they're separated they're not to currently together even though they're still married and so she's staying with her parents so her saying hey you know i'm in town like her parents don't live in the dc area and so this is a little bit unexpected on his behalf exactly okay one more thing. I think he'll go okay. home quite early then and try to not look as much of a mess. Yeah. Uh, for his uh, <laughs> upcoming, well, maybe date, maybe a last meeting with his wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. And know. make reservations. Like he's trying to make sure like nothing goes wrong uh, so they can actually talk. Okay. Okay, so Jebediah, Mr. Hartwick. Howdy, y'all. The, the memorial service that you were invited to is in the afternoon. And again, it's at the uh, Bowling Air Force Base, which is, um, it's right across the Potomac River. It's right across from uh, the Washington National Airport. So it's, it's right there in the middle of everything. Right? How late in the afternoon? Um... Maybe 3, 3 p.m. 
Okay, so he'll still probably be a little bit uh, buzzed from his lunch beers. Okay. The memorial itself is dedicated to the Defense Intelligence Agency officers who died uh, in 9-11 working at the Pentagon. And it's this this base is one of the largest of their facilities, and there's a permanent memorial that's being erected there. Nathan is someone who had family who was in the DIA, and that's and he just kind of reached out to you, you know, with this like, hey, you know, would would you like to go? I'm invited, and I can bring a plus one, and I just don't want to be, you know, on my own. So he's asking you to come along with him. Yeah, I'll go with you. Okay. <laughs> so, hold on, let me just uh. Drop off some of my hardware here. He'll uh, start. He'll he'll run home first and unload all of his firearms, and then okay. he'll go. Okay. Okay. So rifle, pistol, pistol. So you are taken. Uh, maybe he picks you up. You know, or okay. if you want to meet him there, whichever one. You know, meet him at the place. There's parking, and you know, he cell phone calls you. You know, you guys coordinate, get together, whichever. And uh, the memorial service is, you know, it's a memorial service. It's depressing. You know, there's a lot of people who are like really choked up and just kind of in like a uh, depressed kind of state of mind during the whole thing. You know, uh, a lot of people who died, names are read off. No one you know personally. But again, Nathan is just kind of like down and out. How does Jebediah deal with all this? How does he feel about it? He'll be a little on the more emotional side. He'll uh, shed a few tears owing to uh, being slightly tipsy. And when he sees that Nathan is a little bit down, he'll turn to him. Hey, Nate, um, how about we just do ourselves a nice beer after this or something? Take our minds off things? Nathan will give you kind of a, like a relieved kind of look, you know? Just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'd like that. Let's let's do that. That's That'd be nice. All right, we can go back to my place. I got some critters we can grill up. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. And he's just really like he seems to perk up a bit at the prospect of just not being on his own right now, you know? Okay. Maybe we can talk about, you know, football or something. So, yeah, he he definitely perks up at the prospect of, you know, just having someone to keep him company and not be so like down. Like he and like I said, it's really palpable on how like his state of mind is just really just it's not good. But uh again, he's 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 happy that you're you're there and that you're like kind of giving him like a smile, like yeah, let's let's get let's grill up some food, let's let's do something, get a beer, you know. After about a half hour at the memorial service, Jeb will pull out a cigarette, light it, and start smoking. You're not like, well, you can't smoke or anything like that. So nobody says anything. Right. And uh, the memorial service is uh, it's nice. So unless there's anything specific you want to do while you're there. Just wanted to put that out there, set up where he is uh, having this friend with him. Every military, uh, every soldier that Jeb sees, he'll salute. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if they're open to conversation, he'll walk up, shake their hand, say hello, thank them for their service. Okay. You can do a, maybe like a charisma roll of some kind. Do you have any kind of like uh, expression or anything like that? You can roll like charisma and expression to see how well like you are like making yourself likable to other people around you and giving like, a good impression. What difficulty? Uh, just like a six. Okay, so that's two dice. <laughs> Zero successes. Okay, so <laughs> you're not like 
they're they're appreciative but they're not like oh yeah you know like really into like wanting to talk to you and open up or anything you know it's just kind of like this uh this very uh like they're they're, they're appreciating your respect and all of that but they're not jeopardizing a brace of man right yeah he he's a little rough around the edges is anyone there willing to discuss guns with him because he'll totally talk guns with anybody that's there that's willing to talk guns you know, I imagine there's there's got to be at least one guy. There's got to there. I mean, even if you're that one guy, <laughs> there's someone there who's talking about guns, and someone is having to listen to it. So whether, hey, man, whether I got this they, great AR-15, whether you uh, whether you recognize if this person wants to talk about guns or not, you're talking about guns. You can do that. Okay, probably why he's a little off-putting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh. It's like we're at a memorial service, dude. Like, come on. But you're 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 in your zone. Yes. So let's talk about Walter here for a moment, and let's delve a little bit more into his show before we jump to you uh, going to meet this whoever this mysterious texter is about Iris. Yeah, definitely. And I had a question too about about see if I could do something before I'm I uh, meet her. But yeah, we can talk about the show first, definitely. Yeah, I just wanted to see, like, um, for the benefit of of everyone, what what is the way you present your show? Like, how is is it like a stream that you're doing? Do you record like almost like you're in a studio? Like, how do you show this? What topics do you cover normally? Definitely. And so, yeah, that's a good question. And, and um, so he will stream it from his office that he has in their compound, but he has like this logo green screen that it can switch between the logo or green screen that's like behind him and he what he does is a, it's a it's a mixture of like very conspiratory type stuff like like you know secret shadowy people controlling stuff government conspiracy stuff like that but it also has like this weird more so than like an alex jones or others like an occult like a real occult spin to it now it's not like in the it's not like in the eighties where everything was like satanic conspiracy or anything like that. Like his is legitimately like, he'll go off about some con government conspiracy and then he'll like tie it to like something from his occult library that, 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 that um, background he has, you know, like maybe something about like 18th century, you know, linkerthropes that are, you know, wandered Germany or something like that. So he always try to tie something supernatural to government conspiracies more so than just like the Illuminati. Like, so he really wants it to like show have people like look in the shadows and be scared of the shadows and realize that like there are predators out there that are hurting us. And so, and he'll also like one thing he'll push, but he, like, you know, we talked about this offline, but like when he, when he talks originally, I was thinking of like trying to go for like an Alex Jones, like, like just hyperactive vibe, but he really, he looks like a hot mess. He looks like Nick Nolte's DUI picture, you know, but he still has that. I am Walter Bode and I bid you good night. You know, so he talks like in this really like calming, like evening news from like the 80s, 70s, 80s personality wise. But like if you stop and listen to him, you're like, this dude's fucking nuts. Like this shit that he's saying, you know, so he does it like in a real it like taps into his natural ability to Charisma. do that. Yeah, and what he spent years doing, but obviously it's off on the tangent. And one other thing that he does is like really tries to push about mind expansion. Sometimes you need to expand your mind and your thought process to be able to see what is hidden. And so he'll like talk about stuff that which kind of leads to something I'd like to do before he goes and meets. But yeah, that that's how he presents it. I hope that answers your question there. It does. 
And I was going to say that, uh, like, before, even before you're getting ready to leave, you know, like, right as you're getting that message, you know, you're looking at this and you're kind of like, ah, freaking out about it. You have a couple of minutes to think and like, okay, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And this is about the time where, um, this is, again, later in the afternoon, this is about the time where uh, Jebediah would be maybe returning because you guys record in the base, you know, and he's bringing someone in with him. So, you know, this this is a good setup for a scene. You know, I'll go ahead yeah, and definitely. play that out, like how you're 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 like in this like almost panicked state. Jebediah is returning yeah. from uh, from this uh, military well, base with Nathan. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to see if I could fit one. Like, I was going to shoot an idea at you before that to see if I could do something before that. So, have you ever heard of DMT out of no. character? No, I don't know what that is. DMT is like this new, um, this new uh, uh, hallucinogen drug. And it's a psychoactive drug where basically, but the thing that's different than like LSD, shrooms, all this stuff that lasts hours upon hours is that people will smoke it and it's only like, yeah, dimethotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypotrypot
it's been described like when people do it they see like geometry shapes and all this really crazy stuff for like i said like a minute or two and then they're back to being sober and so maybe like he does that and he's like gets slammed with these images and then he just realizes he doesn't find anything out and he kind of gets up disappointed you know what i mean yeah all right and then we could say like he like gets dressed and then that's when um that's when uh that's when jebediah comes in with his pals so yeah i'll say I'll say like he opened like he throws on his cargo shorts and his like you know his or it's fall so he probably throws on some like jeans and some like old tennis shoes like Walmart tennis shoes and like a and a polo shirt that's like kind of got maybe wrinkled he's wore for like a week straight and just like push back his like patchy like long gray hair that's like bald on top you know what I mean kind of like slicks it back with its natural grease and just kind of like scratches his like weak swarth of beard and like opens the door and then. Yeah, we can take the scene from there if he sees like Jebediah or whatever. What 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 does the what does our area look like when I like open my door from our office and like what do we is it like a warehouse or what does it kind of look like? I'm gonna let since the person who put the most uh, investment into that was uh, Jebediah, I'm gonna let him kind of describe what it's like. What do you think? Our little base of operations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the base of operations started out as sort of a 1950s era fallout shelter. And uh, Jebediah put a lot of work into it, cleaning it up, making it somewhat livable. And then with the resources his friends have provided, he was able to expand it, you know. Yeah, yes, underground. So there's this uh, trap door literally in the backyard of Jebediah's shack, more or less, that everybody has a key to. Uh, inside, you know, it's all concrete, but there's, at this point there, you know, we've got luxury three on this. So there's probably some, you know, posters, maybe some cloth hanging on the walls, some artwork, some very comfortable couches, a small, but workable kitchen. Yep. The entrance is camouflaged, you know, it's, you know, covered with bushes and some other stuff to sort of hide the fact that it's there. Maybe a fallen tree or two. You got to do a little crawling to get to it. Very secure. <laughs> Very secure. Because we, uh, we've we got security five on it. So you got to, you know, you got to have the key. Make sure you can get in. Very heavy door. There's a library in there. Thank you, Chris. Uh, one of the rooms that was dug out and put together. A little study plus library. Um, a bathroom. You know, it's a small large facility room. with all kinds of stuff, right? You guys have yes. a laboratory, and and uh, you have your armory and all kinds of yep. stuff. A lot of you know, a lot of uh, excavation went into expanding it. There's probably like an empty room or two that we just use for storage. So you arrive uh, with Nathan, who I I didn't describe. I don't think he would be a man in his mid thirties who has like um like a kind of dirty blonde kind of hair that's uh, medium length it's not like super long but you know medium length dirty blonde hair that he currently has just kind of like brushed back and he's wearing you know formal attire he went you know wearing his button-up shirt and slacks and everything so okay nathan does not get to know about the uh, secret underground clubhouse so we'll probably come into the shack and uh jeb will go over to a side room and you know like get on the intercom hey anybody home yeah, yes, Jebediah, this is Walter. Are you upstairs? Yeah, we're just going to cook us up some critters. You want anything? 
Yes, I could use a beer, definitely. I, do you have guests at the moment? Yeah, my pal Nathan's here. Indeed. Is he educated like us? Uh, no, he ain't. All right, all right. There's um something I'd like figure. to speak to you about, Jebediah, maybe once your friend leaves. Yeah, we can do that. Um, We're going to have some burgers, maybe a steak or two. We got some beers, you know. Definitely. Some I'm cigarettes. Talk some football. Been football, a, indeed. Yes, yes. A for us all. <laughs> yes, I could use a beer, definitely. I'll be up there, Jebda. Thank you. Sounds good. And uh, what time is it, by the way? Because it's 9.30 at night. I'm supposed to go meet this individual, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this will be maybe probably around like 5.30-ish, maybe almost 6. Yeah, I could use some slight intoxication to calm my nerves. So seeing the DMT, the traces of it are still riding around in my head. And so I'm definitely going to go make my way outside of the bunker and turn off my camera and, and, and make sure my last video was posted correctly and then just kind of head upstairs, you know, climb up the ladder I take it or something like that, then come out the door and go into the shack. Look at Jebediah, kind of walk in and be like, where's the beer at, Jebediah? <laughs> Jeb will point to the fridge. He'll point to the cooler. He'll point to the back of his truck. <laughs> Take your pick. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you. And I kind of open the door. I kind of look at you like if, if you want a beer or whatever while I'm like in the fridge. Yeah, why don't you give him one as well? And uh, grab one for Nathan, please. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'll grab a couple <laughs> uh, couple cans of Pabst and uh, turn around and toss one to Jebediah. Then walk over to Nathan and stick out my hand before I hand him the beer. Nathan's yeah, the name? He'll, he'll take it and shake your hand. Yes, sir. Nathan Johnson. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Jason. My name's Walter. So, you and Jebediah, how long have you known each other? Oh, uh, well, maybe maybe a couple of months now. Uh, made contact with uh, Jeb here. and He's, uh, he's a good fella. Yeah, he's a great... He's, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a very hard-working gentleman. Very hard-working oh, guy. Why y'all telling lies about me? <laughs> Don't be too hard. He's kind of self-deprecating. So what uh, what brings you uh, together today? Oh, the memorial service. Uh, Jeb was kind enough to come with me. I uh, lost someone a few years back and real close to me. Oh, did you? I, I, I remember 9-11 distinctly. You know, 9-11 is one of those days where often you can ask anyone what they were doing that day. And they often can think to themselves where they exactly were at when they first heard about it. Yeah, it's, it stands out in the mind. I remember what I was doing. I was on this one job site, and we was doing a roof, and we heard it over the radio. So we all stopped, and we were like, what the fuck? And, uh, yeah, really, it was a pretty shitty day, I think. And nobody got anything done. We just spent the rest of the day talking and trying to figure out what the hell was going to happen. I thought it was a prank at first. Yeah, yes. a prank. The TV station, they must have been doing some kind of prank, but... And he gets yeah. like a solemn look on his like face. One of them World of the Worlds things. My mm. nan, she would tell me when the World War thing hit, and she was like a little girl. She she remembered it, and she was like stunned, and she really did think that Mars was invading. So her pa and her ma, they went all they went all nuts, and there was like waiting in the bushes with guns for them Martians, and she was like hiding under her bed for a couple of days. Right up until finally they, you know, realized it was some sort of story. But that shit never left her. I mean, she was talking about that shit right up until the day she died. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts? 
or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. <laughs> 